0: Hi, I'm Diane Hullett with the Best Life, Best Death podcast, and I'm thrilled to be here today with a special guest, Zach Foster. Zach is a former teacher, a visual artist, and a creative community builder. And Zach came into my life because my dear creative friend said, hey, you've got to check out this guy and these quilts he's making, and got me connected to his newsletter. So that's how I came to know Zach, and Zach is going to talk with us today about some really interesting pieces of using art in life and end of life. Hi, Zach.
1: Hi, Diane. (laughs) I think you're my new best friend. Is is it too early to say that?
0: (laughs) No, no. Zach and I've known each other like 10 minutes and we're just like mad for each other because the combination of like teaching and creating and community is kind of what we're both about. So Zach, you give yourself a little better introduction than I just did for the folks at home. Mm
1: Yeah, I I would let folks know that um, it took me a long time to consider myself an artist. And it wasn't until I realized that I was a person who was bringing their questions to fabric. I have questions about life and I don't have answers about life, at least not as many as I want. But I find myself bringing those questions to the fabrics and they talk back when, when, when I listen. And so I'm a person who listens to fabrics and tries to keep the stories that fabrics tell connected to the pieces that are created. And that's so important with the memory quilt work that I do, the burial quilt work and the funeral quilt work that I do. And I know we'll get there in just a moment.
0: Fabulous. I love that idea that fabrics tell stories. Um, I've put it behind me today for Zach's benefit, a denim quilt that I made. And um, he and I were just talking about that, how these fabrics have history. So tell us, Zach, talk to us about this, You talked about three kinds of quilts that you both work with and create for people and see people create.
1: So of the three the ones I've been doing the longest are memory quilts and those are the quilts that most people tend to be familiar with. So memory quilts tend to be um, made of fabric that is given to the quilter and it's usually significant textiles you know maybe someone's passed away so the family will give their clothes to to me to cut up to rearrange into a quilt um, it doesn't necessarily have to be when someone passes away it could be that like i made a memory quilt for my mom when she retired after so many years of teaching right it can celebrate happy things as well as noting a passing uh, but nine times out of ten i make them when someone passes away and What I find so powerful and helpful about memory quilts is that they offer us a metaphor for processing and what we're going through when we're grieving. And before I tell you the metaphor, I'll tell you a story. Just this summer, I went to Montana to visit for my partner's uncle's memorial service. He passed away during COVID and we weren't able to get together at the time. And so when we finally did, after the service, we were all in the fellowship hall. And one person after another st- stood up and started telling stories about old Uncle Jim. You know? And we did that for two hours. And nobody got up there and said how irascible Jim was. Nobody got up there and said how he might have lied once or cheated him once or treated him wrong once. I don't know if Uncle Jim did any of that kind of stuff. I mean, he probably did at some point. But nobody was telling the stories of the bad times and the bad memories. They got up there and they remembered the best part of the person. And I feel like quilting, memory quilting does that because you hand me a box of clothes. I cut out the best parts of those clothes, which for me would be like the back of a shirt. It's just such a wide open expanse. Or it might be the, the backs of pants actually have a lot of usable fabric, so I like using those as well. So I start, I, I take the best parts of the shirts. I throw in some of the odd bits, right? Like when I think of odd bits of clothes, I think of how oftentimes in denim under the pocket is a unbleached square of dark denim. Those are the odd bits that make that pair of jeans unique. Um, maybe, I mean, one of my favorite, that sounds gross to say out loud, but in person it can be kind of pretty. A lot of times um, pit stains can show a discoloration. I know we laugh, but I want to say that I, as a textile artist who's interested in memory, love how we change the clothes that we spend our lives
0: in. Interesting, and, through, and wear, pit stains. through stains, through sweat, through tomato juice, through ketchup, all of this. yeah.
1: And these yeah. are the stories, Diane, these, these are, these are, the, are stories. the stories. So I can't cut out the pit stains, right? <laughs> now, if there's something that's just, sometimes I get clothes that just look unseemly in a certain spot, like not all stains are artistic and beautiful and you wanna see, I cut those bits out. And they yeah. stay on the scrap floor and they get recycled. You know, I
0: love it, I love and it, so when, you know, go, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, so when we talk about a metaphor for grieving and processing grief, there's a lot there to say about keeping the best parts, keeping the odd parts, the, the quirks, the eccentricities, that the, that's just how she was parts, but also giving ourselves the grace and giving our loved ones that have passed away the grace of letting some things go and yes. we don't have to include everything
0: holding on to the best letting go of some I, I collaborated with a friend on a quilt for another friend that took all of his mother's uh holidays she loved christmas stuff and we took all of these christmassy sweatshirts and t-shirts and made this beautiful quilt and he said he loves to he turns different sections of it so he sees different parts but that idea of taking the best of her that she loved the holidays and celebrated it all year long. In her case, it was Christmas. You know, what a joy. So what about it, what about these what about these other kinds? Funeral quilts? Yeah. Funeral quilts.
1: So then, sometimes I tell people I've been quilting for 10 years, but I've been making burial quilts for 20. I'll let you figure that one out. It goes back to the story that when I, I would have been about in college, I heard a story on the radio about a woman who passes away. And according to her last wishes, her friends just take the quilt off her bed, wrap her body up, put in the back of a pickup truck, drive out to the woods and bury her there. And I remember thinking, as the ripe young 20 year old that I was, oh, that's how I want to go. Like that, that's me. I wasn't even a quilter yet, but I just knew that that felt right for me. And it also opened my eyes to, you mean I don't have to go in a casket? Like I. I have choices in the matter. right? And so I've been thinking on some level about burial quilts for a long time, even since before I was a quilter. And it's only in the last year or so that I've really brought it into active conversation as part of my practice as an artist and with the community that I'm part of. And what I am growing to love more and more about burial quilts and the service I think they render us is this, that unlike a casket, you know, you can buy a casket and you're not gonna sit it in the middle of your living room floor like a coffee table, but you can buy a quilt and you can stay or you can make a quilt and you can wrap up in it every night. When you're feeling lonely, you can get a little bit of comfort, when you're feeling cold, that gives you some warmth. And every time you do that, you are infusing this piece with your life's energy, your life's experiences. And then when the time comes, hopefully many, many years down the road, when the time comes, and you pass away, your body can then, just like it has many times before, be wrapped up in that same quilt, soft and colorful, that kept you warm, and lower you into the ground, and be that last resting place for you, you know? Beautiful. It also, yeah, it also gives us the advantage, as folks who are familiar with natural burial and green burial know, of we're not sealing off these elements that are only borrowed, right? These organic elements that my body's made out of, I didn't invent them, I didn't make them. They are not my birthright. I have to give them back. This is like a library book from the universe. I can't keep it. (laughs) And so the idea of locking that inside of a hermetically sealed box is also runs very counterintuitive to me. So I love that quilts underground, would last, I mean, I keep meaning to do an experiment about this to bury quilt and see how long it would last. I'm guessing a few months in good, healthy soil, right? Right. Because I'm using all natural material.
0: I think even a year potentially, but slowly shredding, right? And there's such a history to this, you know, as as Zach and I talked about doing this um, podcast, I looked up a little brief history of shrouds, you know, and ancient civilizations, prehistoric indigenous peoples wrapped people, they wrapped their corpses in animal skins. And then, of course, the Egyptians are sort of the best known, but they first wrapped their mummies in linen and Europeans made soft fabric out of nettles that was kind of a pre silk. India and the Far East, with a belief in reincarnation, have always wrapped in a new shroud. Judaism is the practice of a simple shroud. People are buried. There's no buttons, no zippers, no fasteners, no pockets. And in the Muslim faith, again, the body is washed and dried and perfumed and placed in a white cloth shroud. So it's, it's fascinating to me how the funeral industry has, has really impacted us in the U.S. and how we think that's kind of quote unquote normal. But really, for most of civilization, um, it was not about embalming in caskets. It was really about shrouds and placing in the earth. So I we'll do another podcast on that because that whole the green burial movement I think is yeah. alive and well very interesting. So and I think it offers
1: uh, an interesting point of contrast and we'll we'll save this conversation for another time. But you know people will come to me and say that we have in this mind, in our mind that green and burial and natural burials over here. So what most people are used to must be traditional burial. But I have a problem with that term because traditional burial is actually what I'm talking about, essentially, (laughs) with wrapping your body up in a cloth. So I prefer the term commercial burial, Uh right? uh And and there's reasons for that, which we'll save for another podcast.
0: Excellent. Oh, we have to have a whole other podcast on end-of-life options. Out here in Colorado, of course, we've just, um, uh, composting has just been approved, which is a whole other thing. All right, but back to that later. Okay, so Memorial quilts, burial quilts. You also talked about funeral quilts.
1: Yes, that's actually what I'm working on now. I got it back there in my studio. Um, A while back, a few months ago, an end of life doula herself reaches out to me. And she says, Zach, I want you to make me a funeral quilt. I I hadn't even thought about what a funeral quilt would be. Tell me what you mean. She says, I want something that my body can be laid out on in the ceremony at the end of life. I said, "Okay." And then I said, are you gonna be wrapped up in it? She says, no, it's just for the ceremony. And then I wanna give it to my kids. Well, I said, okay, I get this, but question, how many kids do you have? And she tells me two. So I get to thinking, how are you gonna give one quilt to two kids? So then I start cooking on the idea of a modular quilt. So I'm in the middle of pioneering a quilt that I've never made before and I've never seen anybody else make it before that while in life, it will be one piece. Right? So this person can enjoy it and wrap up in it like a full size quilt on her bed. And then after she's used it for the funeral, there will be a few seams that the family can unpick and it'll separate the two halves and each can have one half of the quilt. And so when I think of funeral quilts, it's, it's for that specific use of the ceremony. Doesn't mean it can't be used outside of that, but that's the focus and that's what differentiates it from a burial quilt, which will eventually go in the ground.
0: Beautiful. I love this. And in fact, it's so interesting because, you know, if you think about how families often can get divided over something like, I get mom's favorite quilt. No, I get mom's favorite quilt. You've solved the disposition of um, beloved articles, too. Well,
1: here's the to hoping. We'll find out many years from now, I suppose.
0: Find out if that worked or not. Yeah. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. How did you, um, you talked about that you, heard of a woman being wrapped in a in a quilt and put in the ground even before you started quilting? How did you come to fabric art?
1: Mm. So I've been an artist for a long time. I mean in my house my mom really valued creativity. Um, We had giant manila envelopes like basically the size of I don't know you could easily fit me as a small child in one of these envelopes sizable. So every piece of artwork that me and my brothers made went in our own envelope. So from the beginning, I've had this understanding that creative expression was important. And so I went through several different media, you know, screen printing, uh, painting, drawing, photography, graphic design. And then my friends started having kids. And I was like, okay, well, let me um, make them a quilt. That sounds like a good thing to do for someone having kids, you know. And I made one. And then it's like, oh, I got an idea for a second one. So I made a second one. I said, oh, I got an idea for a third one and a fourth one. And then it's just snowballed from there. And there's something about um, textiles that I think are unique as a medium to textiles. And that is that, and that also make them so perfectly suited for end of life care as an option. Because I've heard textiles called um, our second skin because it's what we wear over our body. So there's already a degree of intimacy with anything we call a second skin. I've heard it called our first roof, right? Our first house. Um, So that gives us a sense of the protective qualities of of clothing. And there's also just the tactile. Like I, when when I'm going through a thrift store, I'm I'm rummaging through a pile of fabric I'm, I'm considering using for a quilt. I touch it first and I see it second. That tactile sensation is so important. It can be a beautiful fabric, but if I touch it and it feels synthetic to me, it's like the magic just gets lost. Drops. You know? Just drops. Drops. So
0: true. I remember the friend who got me started quilting, she said to me one time, Oh, just wait. Pretty soon you're gonna care about thread. And I thought, thread? Why in the world would I care about thread? And you know, three years later, I was like, Oh, this thread is so exquisite. Like, it's so interesting how that can work in you and work on you.
1: Totally. I remember the first spool of silk thread I ever bought. It was life-changing. I don't (laughs) always buy silk thread, but it gave me an appreciation for what a thread can be.
0: What a thread can be. And I love this, what a quilt can be. I mean, this is really... um, you know, my thought was when we talked about this podcast was sort of like, how do we just sort of inspire, peop- inspire people and awaken their imaginations to what fabric could even be connected to end of life? And I love that it's both practical and, let's see, what are all the adjectives? It's like practical, tactile, metaphoric, and beautiful all at the same time.
1: And I would say it can also operate as a document, as a historical document if you're working with clothing and textiles that are significant to you, the the quilt comes preloaded with stories.
0: Tell about that quilt that's on your website, Zach, that's got the, it's got a key on the back.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, Yeah, so I'll I'll tell you the story. So this has happened in the last year, it's fairly recent. A woman here in Brooklyn named Claire reached out to me and said, Zach, I want you to make um, a quilt for my husband who's turning 40 in the next few months. I said, sounds great. She coordinates with all of his family members all across the United States to mail me fabric from his life, from their life together, their wedding. I mean, all sorts of stuff. And so I made this beautiful memory quilt. And I remember as soon as I got that top done, I hadn't sewn it all together yet, but the top was done. I take a picture of it and I send it to Claire. I said, Claire, here we go. Your quilt is, this part is finished. It's ready for you. And I didn't hear from her right away, you know and that, that wasn't quite like her because she's usually pretty quick on the text. And it wasn't until later that night that she texts me back and says, Zach, that's so beautiful but I'm not with my husband right now. I'm in the hospital. And I had known from the beginning of this commission that um, Claire had was dealing with cancer and didn't know how long she had she's just doing her best day by day you know and so when she says she's in the hospital it it felt significant and so I said Claire no problem I will send this on to your husband you take care of you I'll take care of this you know so I sent the picture to her husband he loved it a lot and the next day Claire passes away she never got to see the quilt finished but I'm so thankful that she got to see at least the top she knew that She had that final vision of what it looked like. She knew it was gonna happen. And what's interesting to me as a maker has been a couple of different things. One, I realized in that moment that spending time with other people's fabrics, thinking about other people's stories, creates a connection that is significant and that's not easily severed. When I found out that Claire had died it meant something to me and I had never met her. We had just talked on the phone a few times, but I felt it. Looking at that quilt, I'm like, how do I do this now? You know. So there's something that was more than just the passing of someone who lives across the street from me or something, let's say. And then um, another takeaway I have from that quilt as the person who made it was that when it was finished, I reached out to her husband and said, hey buddy, your quilt's done, You know, I'd love to bring it by and never hear from him. Text him back a couple days later, nothing. So I reached out to his mom because she was in on the whole fabric gathering situation and she says yeah he just needs some time and I get that, I get that. So as a maker this quilt has also taught me that um, quilts hold stories and sometimes quilters hold those stories too and we operate as a container in a way that I think doulas can understand that we operate as a container, not as a final resting place container. We don't hold on to that forever because we would drive ourselves crazy, but I can hold it for a while and then I can pour it out when it's time to pour out. And one thing that I am so glad I did with this quilt is that because these fabrics were coming from all different households from all across the country, there was not one person who knew the origin story behind each piece. And so I wanted to make sure to keep the stories with the quilt. And so what I did was something I'd never done before. It actually came from somebody who follows me on Instagram, says, Zach, have you ever thought about something like this? And that got my gears going, you know? And so what I ended up doing was creating a swatch panel on the back of the quilt with a sample square of each of the main quilt fabrics on the front. And then beside the swatch panel, there's a little pocket And if you reach in that little pocket you could pull out a little dinner napkin that came from their wedding actually and on that dinner napkin when you unfurled it was that same grid i had hand drawn out in permanent ink and inside of each square that corresponded with the fabric i wrote the story of where it came from so the story stays with the quilt and when it's time for me to give this quilt over he will have those stories intact and he can learn about where each piece came from
0: so beautiful You listeners can see this quilt that Zach and I are discussing on his website, zackfoster.com, that's Z-A-K-F-O-S-T-E-R. Zach, thank you so much for being a guest. I think that we could just go on talking about a lot of really interesting links between creativity, end of life um, connections, community. I think you wanna say something too about community building through creativity because you've got such a piece for that. Um, Yeah,
1: I I would just say that um, none of us are an island. I firmly believe that the poet says no man is an island. I think that's true, that the best ideas are crowdsourced and they always have been. We just have a new term for it now, crowdsource. Um, Like I just mentioned that example with the swatch panel came from somebody else got my gears going and got me thinking about something new. I love trying new things. I love talking with people who want to talk about new things. Yeah. And so you mentioned at the top of this our conversation that I was a former high school public school teacher. And yes, that is true. I taught for 18 years in public schools here in New York and also down in North Carolina. And I have just recently left that job. Like we're talking in the last two weeks, folks. I mean, recently. Wow. And part of the thing that has made it possible for me to even entertain leaving a job I've done for 18 years and going whole hog on textiles is my Patreon community. And I'm so thankful for them. Um, we do a ton of different things. So we get together a couple times a month for a sewing circle online. We just sit and sew or listen and so whatever you wanna do. We have workshops, we have creative cohorts, which are small groups of the same people that meet every month to share work and support each other in their creative explorations. And we have a wonderful Discord chat platform where people are connecting and talking at all hours of the night. It might not be the (laughs) healthiest thing. Maybe we should shut it down so people can get some sleep. But hey, it's there for people when they want it. And so if folks wanna find out more about that, there's a lot there to, to browse through. You, probably the best way is just to connect with me on Instagram. And we can put that information in the resources. And through Instagram, it's a portal for everything I do. You can find links to Patreon and all that. And I would love to see you.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Zach. One last question. Tell me something you're grateful for today.
1: Ooh, ooh Everything. Okay, I will tell you. This morning, I was sitting down beside the pond here in Brooklyn, Prospect Park. And I was sitting beside this little bunch of asters right here. And this bumblebee came over, boom. You know bumblebees are just kind of like, they just kind of hop through the air. And he lands on one little aster and he takes a little bit of pollen, but he doesn't clean it out. And then he hops over to another little aster, takes a little more pollen, and he doesn't clean it out. He's leaving pollen behind for other bees to come through and other pollinators. But I just thought, bee, thank you for that understanding of how life works. We take a little bit from here and a little bit from there, we leave things for other people to pick up that come behind us and we all make it through
0: awesome thank you so much zach ZachFoster.com, and you can find him on instagram and i'm diane with best life best death you can find my website bestlifebestdeath.com you can also follow me on facebook and instagram and pinterest thank you so much zach